And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Thank you, John, for that reading. <clears throat> this, this text is talking about forgiveness or a lack of forgiveness, an inability to forgive. Now, that's one of the linchpins of our faith, is forgiveness. One of the things that Jesus said that we always remember when we think about the only prayer that Jesus ever gave to show us an example of how to pray was that we should say, ask the Lord to forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive others. So when he talks about a sin that's not forgivable, it should give us some concern. It should make us aware of the fact that this is a, an extremely serious matter that we can do something that would so render us incapable of being forgiven by God forever. That's, that's a, a, a very sobering thought. And that's what this text says, that anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit forfeits the right to forgiveness. This is, this is the, uh, certainly an act that we want to avoid. And it's a very real, real possibility that we can do exactly what Jesus warns us against. We can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It therefore behooves us to try to understand what the word blasphemy means. Now it's one of those words kind of like baptism. You know, I, I mentioned several weeks ago that baptism... The English word itself is simply a transliteration of the word, the Greek word. The Greek word is spelled like we spell uh, baptism, B-A-P-T-I-S-M. Anyway, the word blasphemy is the same way. It's, it's the word, the Greek word, blasphemios. So it's not really translated. We, we find other texts that will translate it for us, but in this text it's not translated. It's just it's transliterated. It just tells us that's, that's the Greek word. But from the context, we do know that the word blasphemy means to speak in, in such a way as to injure someone. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What happened was that Jesus was healing people and those who were watching him and, and a word of caution here, it wasn't some flip, flip statement that they made. It was not a thoughtless statement they made. They had been thinking about it. And they, as a matter of fact, one of the texts, Matthew chapter 12, says that they were considering this in their heart. So it's not something you do just sort of offhand. It's something that you deliberately do. It's an act that you engage in that 
is very deliberate and intentional. Now, when let's look at some of the ways the word blasphemy is used in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus was for, forgiving or he was healing a bedridden man. And once he had healed him, but before he healed him, as a matter of fact, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And then when he was challenged about this, he, he healed the man to show that he had the authority on earth to forgive sins. Anyway, he said unto them when they challenged him, he said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees began to say, who is this that speaks blasphemies? So they're saying, Jesus is saying something that's injurious. Jesus is making a remark. They're calling him a blasphemer. He's making a remark that is discrediting the ability of the Father to forgive sin. So they're saying Jesus is discrediting, injuring his Father's abilities or his Father's rights. Okay? That's pretty apparent. Jesus was again accused of blasphemy when he claimed that he was God. In John chapter 10, verse 30 through 33, he said, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they were saying that he was, he was degrading God by making himself equal with God. That's, that's speaking against God, isn't it? As you, as you follow this, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute. But uh, what they were saying was that Jesus was plagiarizing God. You know what plagiarizing means? When you write a composition and you actually write it word for word from what you got out of the, out of the encyclopedia and you put it forth as your own, that's plagiarism. They were accusing Jesus, Jesus of plagiarizing God. That he was saying, I'm God, when in fact he wasn't. He was God, however, and that, that was uh, their, their mistake. This is the major reason given by the Sanhedrin when they took Jesus before the council, their own council, and accused him of blasphemy. And that blasphemy, as far as they were concerned, was it, it involved the death penalty. And it did in the Old Testament. There were people who were put to death, I think, in Leviticus chapter 17, or, I mean, Exodus chapter, no, it's Leviticus chapter 17. They, they put a man to death because he had he'd cursed God. He had cursed God, and they said it was blasphemy, and so they actually brought him before the people, and they, they stoned him to death. Now, this was the major reason why the Sanhedrin was condemning Jesus to death. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 63 to 66, it says, Jesus held his peace didn't say anything. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you be the Christ, the Son of God. They want you to say it. They want him to say it. Jesus said unto him, You have said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He was citing Daniel chapter 7 basically. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. He's saying something. They're saying he's saying something that's injurious to God. Now, 
What I'm going to ask you to do is think about this term blasphemy in a little different context. Basically, what blasphemy does, it does not injure the person that you direct it against. It injures the people that you're talking to about that person. Follow me? Okay. If you blaspheme Jesus, as they did, if they say he was, he was blaspheming, and then if they blasphemed him, what they're doing is injuring Jesus in your sight. Not in his. In your sight. Okay. When you blaspheme God, you're not injuring God. You're not hurting him. Except you're damaging his heart. He's concerned about what you're doing. What you're doing is you're damaging him in the eyes of others. Okay? So when they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy, they were saying that he is, he is injuring himself or you're, you're, he's injuring God in your eyes. You're injuring someone besides the one that is being blasphemed. I'm going to ask you to follow that a little more carefully in a minute. One of the earliest preachers of the gospel, Stephen, in Acts chapter 6, he was accused of blasphemy. In uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 11, it says some, they suborned some men. They were having a problem answering what Stephen was saying when he was preaching the gospel, and they couldn't answer his arguments. He was preaching that Jesus was the Christ, and they couldn't resist it. And so it says that they, they, they suborned perjury. They got someone to come along and say, We've heard him say things that are damaging. Blasphemy, basically. We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So what they're saying is, he's tearing down Moses in your eyes. You're the one being injured. And against this place. He's, he's, he's degrading this place in your eyes. So you think less of this place and less of Moses... Because of what he's saying. You follow? Okay. That's blasphemy. It's not like you're thumping against somebody when you blaspheme them. It's the thumping against somebody else that has some confidence in that person. Okay? You're tearing down that person in the eyes of someone else. That's blasphemy. That's what he's talking about. So he's talking about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He's saying... You're tearing down the Holy Spirit in the eyes of those who see what's going on. Okay. Anyway, these people took blasphemy very seriously. And they, they, they called, called upon the crowd for a death penalty, and they did. They killed Stephen because they said he blasphemed. Now, the word blasphemy, when we translate it, and we, it can be translated, it's not only a transliteration, but it's translated. They're words that tell you what the word blasphemy means. It means to speak evil against. Okay. Romans fourteen sixteen. Let not your good be evil spoken of. Let not your good be blasphemed. Okay. You can speak evil of someone. That's, that's blasphemy. If you speak evil of Jesus Christ, what you're saying is he's not the son of God. Now that... Of course, that hurts Jesus. But it hurts the people you're talking to. It hurts their confidence in Jesus. That's what blasphemy does. It's injurious speech. 
Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Don't you run somebody down in the eyes of someone else just to injure their reputation. See? You can be blasphemed. I can be blasphemed. It can happen. It's evil speaking. Second Peter 2 at verse 2. It says, many will follow their pernicious ways, talking about false teachers, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So you can say derogatory things about the gospel of Christ, and you're tearing down the gospel of Christ in the eyes of many. Okay. Titus 3.2 says, speak evil of no man. Don't blaspheme anybody. That's simple enough. Speak evil of no man. Be no brawlers, but gentle, showing meekness unto all men. Second Peter 2.10 carries it a little bit further and probably gets it down into our area of politics. You know, you need to be very cautious when you're talking politics because sometimes you're engaged in blasphemy against politicians and, and it's really not necessary. It shouldn't be. It says, chiefly them that walk after the flesh. He's denoting those that are wrong-headed. Chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Okay. We need to be cautious about what we say about anybody. That we're not trying to tear them down injuriously in the sight of somebody else. All right. It also means to rail against. Just to, just to talk against them, rail against them. First Timothy 6, verse 3 and 5, Paul is trying to help Timothy figure out how he ought to be speaking and preaching. And he says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gaining godliness from such withdraw yourselves. Arguing about religion can lead over and bleed over into blasphemy, can't it? When you start arguing over religion, just arguing over words, without really having any rationale or any basis for discussion, you're, you're on pretty tricky ground. Mark chapter 15, 29. When Jesus was on the cross, do you know what happened? People were walking by and it says they were railing on him. They were railing on Jesus. What they were trying to do is destroy your confidence in Jesus, the people around them. That's what they were doing. That's called blasphemy. They're, they're trying to make other people think less of Jesus than they should. Therefore, that would be robbing them of any confidence they could have in a Savior. That's terrible, isn't it? Luke 23, 39 says, even one of the malefactors, two guys were crucified with Jesus, one on either side. One of the one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, blasphemed him. And he said, if you be the Christ, save yourself and us. He was just tearing him down. It didn't hurt Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus turned to the other one and said, This day you'll be with me in paradise. 
What it hurt was everybody else around who heard that and saw that and saw this thief railing on Jesus or blaspheming Jesus. It means to revile. Matthew 27, verse 39, about Jesus again. They that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. From these texts, we are made to appreciate the seriousness of the English word blasphemy. Casting aspersions on someone, contemptuous speech against someone, to tear them down in somebody else's eyes is unacceptable to God. Unacceptable. This brings to mind the warning in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. Jesus said, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23, it says, That which comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from in and defile the man. Be careful what you're saying. We should be. Our concern from the text in Mark is how can we gain forgiveness if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit? That's the concern. Once we know what blasphemy consists of, then we can make certain that we avoid it. That we avoid it. James 3.6 says, uh, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue and among our members. It defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and sets on fire of hell. Again, I want to remind you, it's just not a flip statement. Blasphemy is not an offhand remark. It's something you've thought out. Something you've considered. Rationally you've considered it. And you've made that decision. And you've come to that conclusion. That's what these men did. When they watched what Jesus was doing. They saw that he was casting out evil demons. He made a dumb man. A man who could never talk. Gave him the ability to talk. In all likelihood he was deaf. People that are deaf lose the ability to speak. So he restored that in this man. And their comment was, you did that by the devil instead of the Spirit of God. So they assigned the work of the Spirit of God to the devil. They thought that one out. They figured it out. The prophets of old tell us that Israel... Now, here's the thing. Jesus said all manner of sins can be forgiven men, but... So that brings us to this conclusion. Apparently... You could blaspheme God and still get away with it. Okay? They did in the Old Testament. And when Jesus was on the cross, he was talking to people that had blasphemed God. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now look at this. Isaiah 65 verse 7 says, Your iniquities, he's talking to Israel. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills, therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. He said, you've blasphemed me. He's talking about Israel, his own people. Isaiah 52, 5 says, Now therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing, 
They that rule over them make them to, to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. And in, in Ezekiel 20, verse 27, says, Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. So Israel had, in fact, people in Israel blasphemed God. And yet Jesus said, All manner of sins and blasphemy can be forgiven, men, but not this one. So apparently, you could blaspheme God and be forgiven, the Father. Jesus himself was blasphemed. Jesus was blasphemed. And he, he was reviled. He was evil spoken of and he was railed upon by his companions, by his captors, when he was taken to the cross. The men, the men that held it, Luke chapter 22, verse 63 through 65. Remember, Jesus was turned over to Herod and his men. And it said, uh, And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked, saying, Prophesy, who is he that smote you? And many other things blasphemously spoke them against him. They blasphemed Jesus. We mentioned a while ago that Mark fifteen thirty nine, they that passed by railed on him, reviled him. And we've seen that how that one of the thieves on the cross blasphemed him. But he he said, "You all manner of sins and blasphemy can be forgiven you, but not this one." Okay, here's what Paul said about blasphemy. Now, here's, here's a text that I think is important. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. Paul had been a blasphemer. Who did he blaspheme? We know he blasphemed Jesus. But he said, he said uh, I was a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Okay. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a clue for us. Ignorantly and in unbelief. So Paul said, I blasphemed, but I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and I obtained mercy. That's the key to this text. Now Paul was attempting to to convert some of the Jews that he grew up with. And in Romans chapter 2, he was talking to them about their lives, and he's trying to get them to be converted. Now, if they had blasphemed the Holy Spirit, Paul's efforts would have been fruitless. But he's not saying they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. So let's look in Romans chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. It says, you that make your boast of the law, through breaking the law, you dishonor God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. So they cause others to blaspheme the name of God because of their behavior. But Paul is trying to convert these people. If they could not be converted, if they had blasphemed, Paul's efforts would have been useless, senseless. But they could be. Because Jesus said all manner of sin blasphemy can be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, we're going to hold that one out. Can't do that. Can't be forgiven for that. 
In the parallel text, Matthew chapter 12, it says, Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. That's the parallel text in the one that we were reading in Mark 3. Okay, he said, but whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven him. You can speak against the Son, but you can't speak against the Holy Spirit. Now, some apologists have come along and looked at this and said, okay, uh, the reason you can't commit blasphemy as a Christian is because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And if you're blaspheming, it means the Holy Spirit's blaspheming. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then you can't blaspheme because the Holy Spirit can't talk against himself. That assumes that once a person is converted, they can't sin. If you can't sin, you can't blaspheme. But if you can sin, you can blaspheme. Okay. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We can sin. If we can sin, we can blaspheme. Okay? A Christian can. 1 Corinthians ten twelve says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stands, take heed lest he falls. You can fall. You can blaspheme. I can blaspheme. A Christian can blaspheme. It's possible for a person to sin by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And such a sin will carry consequences that no other sin includes. There's no forgiveness for that. Not now. Not ever. No forgiveness for it. Apparently it happens deliberately, as we've already seen. It's not an unconscious act. It's possible to blaspheme the name of God by speaking to injure his reputation and his name, and that's what the Old Testament prophets said. It's possible to speak evil of God by nature. Now think about it. Here's someone that has never read a word about, about God in the Scriptures, and he looks around in nature and he denies that there is a God. Well, we'd say that's blasphemy. I'd say that's blasphemy. Attributing all the wonderful works of God to nature and to some other force, Mother Nature, whoever you want to call her, or chance, or whatever it may be, or uh, evolution, or whatever comes up, to attribute the works, the wonderful works of God. And Paul said he's not left himself without witness in that he's done good. He calls rain and so forth. And here we have the fact that men are, men are saying there is no God. Well, that's basically speaking against God. And that's blasphemy. Basically, it is. It's injurious speaking. When someone tells a young person that there is no God, that nature created itself, that's injurious to that individual, that kid. The kid's going to grow up believing that and being separated and kept away from God. So it's possible that a person who simply doesn't, doesn't know anything about God, can blaspheme God, but that can be forgiven. That person can eventually come to the realization that God is, and Jesus said, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men. It will be forgiven. These men were assigning the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Not only had they reached that conclusion within their own mind, they were transmitting those opinions to other people. 
and they were being influenced by them. It was a deliberate act on their part. The temporal work of the Holy Spirit was to empower the apostles and prophets to reveal the word of God and to confirm that word by signs and wonders. So what happened was this. If an apostle was preaching the word of God, like the apostle Paul or Peter, and someone stood up and said, you're doing this by the devil, that's blasphemy. And the show's over for that person. That's it. They were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They were assigning the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Now, we don't know if any of that happened to the apostles. We know it happened to Jesus. Okay. But uh, we have one record, basically, of that happening in the course of the Apostle Paul's life, where he, he actually said, he actually made mention of the fact that there were some people blaspheming. And they were blaspheming, basically they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read a text in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Not that they were not that they were talking about the works that they were seeing the apostles perform, but something else had happened. What had happened was that they were they were denying what Paul was saying. Now, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 through 20, Paul told Timothy, he said, This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on you, that you by them might make a good warfare. He's talking about the scriptures. Holding faith and a good conscience. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So Timothy, he's saying, you hold on to your faith, and you hold on to your faith by holding on to the word of God. That's how you hold on to your, your, your faith. Which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. How do you put away concerning faith? You have to put away that which faith is based upon, and that's the eternal, everlasting Word of God. He said, somebody has done that. They put away the Word of God. He said, and they've made shipwreck of somebody else's faith. He said, of whom, he names them, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's terrible. After these powers, the Holy Spirit working through the agency of individuals, as they preached the word of God, and they were, they were verifying what they were preaching by signs, wonders, and miracles, so that when people said, how do I know you're speaking to me, to me by the word of God, then the apostles had the signs of an apostle, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So the signs of the apostles were able to perform miracles. Now then, after that was concluded, because these signs, wonders, miracles were designed in order to get the word of God in its completion to humanity and, and put it down in a, in, a, in a permanent form. So now then, after they had done that, and they, they, they developed faith as a program of information, which is the gospel of Christ, in a written form, now that we have it in written form, now we have the work of the Holy Spirit in a written form. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent for, to reveal the Word of God. So when we want to look at the work of the Holy Spirit today, we look at the New Testament and the Old Testament. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what the Holy Spirit did. That's his works. Now, if you deny the word of God, if you say the word of God is not God's word, it's a mere work of some other person, then you're blaspheming. I don't know how many people say that just offhand, but there are people who do that. They tear down the word of God in the eyes of other people, and by doing so, they shut the door of heaven against them. Now, you say, how can that happen? If, what if, if somebody just takes the Bible and throws it down and says, I don't care about it, is that blasphemy? No. But if somebody begins to pick apart the New Testament saying, I, this is the work of man, not God. This is not the Holy Spirit's work. It's basically the devil's work. If it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the devil's work. Who made this book? Who revealed this word? The Holy Spirit did. So when you, when you blaspheme the word of God, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What makes that, what makes that unforgivable? What makes it unforgivable that a person comes to the Word of God and begins to tell other people, this isn't from God, this is this some other source. This is not the work of the Holy Spirit, this is some other source. What makes a person reach that conclusion? And why does that lock them out of heaven? You know, I've, I've thought about this and thought about it and thought about it. And I thought, okay... Here's, here's, here's what happened when, when the world was created. When the world was created, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and gave, set them off on a journey. He was going to keep them there forever and they could just live there forever and have no problems. That was an eternal journey, eternal life. Then they sinned. They stepped out of the garden and they shortened their journey from way out here, way out here, to down here. Now then, they're, they're limited in their journey. Now then, they have to get from this point to that point safely on the other side. That's what your life is. Three score years and ten. You know, 70 years old. If by reason of strength, four score, that's 80. But the days are full of woe and, and misery. Hardness, okay. So we're going on a journey now. When God took Adam and Eve and took them out of the garden and put them in the world, he put them in a wilderness. Now the question is, how do I get from here to there? How do I know where to go and how to go? You follow me? I'm on a journey. And the Bible talks about it that way. The Bible talks about a straight gate and a narrow path, doesn't it? Bible talks about going from this place to that place, taking a journey, going from this location to that location. You, you can't get stuck in the middle. <laughs> you can't stay. You have to go. You're on the journey. You have to go. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. Okay. So, he took Adam and Eve and he they, they got out of the Garden of Eden and started down the path. <clears throat> and it wasn't very long before they 
they ruined themselves, basically. And the whole world had gotten off track, and God had to cleanse the world through the flood, you recall. And he saved Noah, and eight, eight souls, including Noah, saved them by water, and then put them into a fresh new start again. But it's still a wilderness, and they got off course again. So, God talked to a man by the name of Abraham, and he told him that he'd bless all nations. He'd make, he'd make everybody okay through this man Abraham. And so he gave a guide, actually it was a written guide, to a group of people, Adam's descendants, and he gave them the written guide and said, okay, if you will follow this guide, it will take you through the wilderness and get you to the other side safely. That was called the law of Moses. That was the law. Just follow this guide and you won't get lost. Right? And yet, couldn't follow it. Couldn't make it out. And so then, in order to rectify that, he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus was the personal guide, wasn't he? Now, when he came, when Jesus came, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. Follow me, he said, didn't he? Take up your cross and follow me. And what did people do? They rejected him. They rejected the guide already. They rejected the law of Moses. They already set that aside. They didn't like that one. Now here Jesus came as a personal guide to get them through, get us through the wilderness, get us through the brush. I, I think of this world as a as a uh, place where where you can't really see where you're going. We we have compasses and we have maps and we have all sorts of things. But when you get into a wilderness, you're just baffled. You don't know. You don't know where you're at. Sometimes you get into get into a situation where all roads lead to a dead end and you don't know where you're going. And that, that's what happens when you're in the world and you don't have any direction. Well, God gave the direction, gave the, the, the direction, the law of Moses, but the, and the, uh, the special people were given special directions, said, here's how you get there. And they still couldn't find it. So he sent Jesus down, I'll, I'll guide you, take you by the hand and lead you through. Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. And they rejected him. We rejected our guide. Okay. First of all, rejected the law. Law doesn't work. Send you a guide, a personal guide. Reject that. The third thing he sent was when Jesus rose again from the dead. And now then, he's no longer gone. He's with us, but he's with us through the word of God in Luke chapter 9 verse 22 he said the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders the chief priests the scribes and be slain and raised the third day and he arose from the dead and now calls to everyone who will hear him to follow him and we follow him through his word faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God okay you're lost. I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a set of instructions how to get out of here, to get to the other side safely. That's no good. That's blasphemy against God. Next thing, I'll, I'll send you a personal guide. 
Now we'll, we're going to reject him too. Third thing is, I will send you my son risen again and the word of God intact so that Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. We'll always have that guide. And the guide is the word of God and the word of God is given to us by the Holy Spirit. So now, I reject God, but I reject the law of Moses, but that doesn't work. I, did, I didn't want to personally follow Jesus, so I, I left him at the cross. Now then, the Holy Spirit has given me his word, the system of faith. Faith comes of hearing, hearing by the word of God. The gospel of Christ is the power of God and salvation unto all those that believe, Jew first and also to the Greek. So now then, I have the third guide, that's the Holy Spirit in the Word. And let me read this for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 9 through 13. And here's where it comes down to. As it is written, eyes not seen nor ear heard, neither ever entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. What man knows the things of God, save the Spirit of God which is in him, even so the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit which is of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which wisdom teacheth, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual words. We have the information that the Holy Spirit has given us in the word, and that means that we have the direction we need to get through this world to heaven. If I reject the law of Moses, and then when Jesus came, I put him aside too. I'm not going to follow him. And now then he sent his word to us, and I reject that. How am I going to be forgiven? How can I be forgiven? I can't say, oh, I'll go back and follow Jesus. He's not, well, you can, but you follow him through the word. That's the only way you can follow him. You don't know anything about him except what the gospel tells you about him. Well, I'll go back and keep the law of Moses. Nobody could ever keep the law of Moses. They got lost trying to keep the law of Moses. So what am I going to do? If I reject the Holy Spirit in the word of God, I have blasphemed, and there really is nothing else for me in this world or in the one which is to come. There is no forgiveness for that disposition. It's all gone. It's all wasted. It's, everything's passed away. So when Jesus said, you can, you can have forgiveness of all sorts of sins and blasphemies, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's the last one that's going to talk to you. And he speaks through his word, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when I set that aside and say, oh, this is just a figment of some man's imagination. This is a book just like any other book. This is a drama just like any other drama. This is, this is not really from God. This is who knows. So we begin to tear this up and we begin to go, go through it piece by piece and say, no, we don't believe this. We don't believe that. Oh, I don't believe he committed miracles. He, he was able to perform miracles. I don't believe what the New Testament is saying. My friend, that is blasphemy. You either believe it or you don't. You, you, there is no middle ground. And if you don't believe it, 
you can do that. You can say, oh, I don't believe it. But when you begin to tell other people that it's not God's word, that's blasphemy. When you take that away, take that away, then it's all over. Paul said he was before, he said, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorantly in unbelief. We can't do something like this deliberately because if we do, that blasphemy will follow us to the grave. And we're stuck here. We're stuck here. That's what happened. We're stuck here like a lifeboat. God sent a lifeboat when he, when he sent the law. People didn't get into it. Ship was sinking. So he sent Jesus, another lifeboat. We don't like him, we'll throw him out too. The last lifeboat was in the gospel. It reveals Jesus. That's the last lifeboat. There's no more lifeboats. There's no, nothing else you can get into to get off this sinking ship, and it is sinking. He's the last, he's the last hope we have, the Holy Spirit. So obviously, when you deliberately, consciously, Reject the Word of God. You're rejecting the Holy Spirit and you're assigning the work of the Holy Spirit to the works of human beings. And that's basically the work of the devil. That's blasphemy. Don't do it. Don't do it. We urge you to hear the Word of God and to respond to it, to obey it, and to serve Him joyfully and thankfully all the days of your life. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation.